since it is my birthday, I wanted to um, do less work. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the first thing I want to do is play the full intro song. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Because I, I mean, like we gotta, we gotta stretch this out. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta pad this out. It's Lena's birthday. It's the interim between the holidays. There's a lot going on. I had to shovel my entire street just to repark my car after mailing a couple of gifts today. Oof. I just don't have it in me. Yeah, I mean, uh, we should figure out what the f- the filleriest fluffiest crap we can talk about is today, yeah cause. i i i want yeah i want to start with the song um and then we're gonna go over a couple of i guess it's a normal duration meme review i mean if the episode ends up being a little bit uh short today that's that's why that's fine yeah yeah and i'm not worried about it because it's my birthday and i <laughs> and i and i don't care i mean i do care but I care. But if I didn't care, I wouldn't have even showed up today. <laughs> right. Exactly. And this would be another episode of me just reading theory to people, which is what I do when I don't have a co-host. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I listened to your um, to your Patreon on Beep Beep. That was really good. Oh, nice. Thank you. Um, I also uh, watched a stream you were on where. <laughs> uh, yeah. Where you where you were basically forced to leave because the you you didn't realize you were joining a DSA meeting. I mean, it's not like <laughs> <laughs> it's not like your assessment is totally wrong. Uh, I certainly wasn't like forced to leave the stream. It just no, no, not forced. Of course, I was just getting to the point where like I didn't feel like <laughs> anybody was gonna listen to me because like me and the host, the 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 person who asked me on. I scoped out his Twitch stream beforehand. You know, I wasn't going to mm-hmm. go on a Twitch stream I had never seen before. And it seemed fine. You know, maybe not as far left as me, but still still mostly pretty good takes. And I was like, oh, this is workable. I could I could be a guest on this. And then uh, he had three other guests on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't want to talk shit about them personally. They were very nice. But uh, they just, they kept talking about all these like, electoralist strategies and like running leftists as republicans and like that one i i I heard that and that kind of blew my mind like to (laughs) to think like so since entryism into the democratic party isn't working let's try entryism into the republican party i don't know that was some galaxy brain shit i mean i get it maybe on like a very local level like if you're a socialist and you want to be the like city comptroller or something you know whatever like local treasury race or something because who knows yeah just throw throw in like, no one even knows name. who you are exactly but like if you're up on any kind of even just like a county s- scale they're gonna they're gonna sniff you out and and kick you out but yeah i you know i hung out for a long time and uh i was hoping that we could get the conversation going in a better direction and you know to their credit me and me and the host made a lot of attempts but uh, after a while, I just noticed my blood sugar was getting kind of low, and I hadn't eaten in a couple of hours, and I was like, mm, "Yeah, I should probably go make some mac and cheese before I pass out." Yeah, uh, that makes sense. But it was nice, and and yeah. I, I hope that it doesn't make people afraid to have me on their streams and stuff. I love being a yeah. guest. No, um, that's true. Uh, I mean, you're a great 
co-host, so <laughs> I can I can imagine it being in people's interest to have you on to talk about anything, including just bullshitting. Um, how about we 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 hit the play button on that full version of the intro song? That's right. And then uh, and then let's get going. Sounds good. to another episode of Work Stoppage. I'm your host, John, here with my co-host, Lena. Hello. And if you want to hear more episodes of Work Stoppage, twice as many per month, in fact, you can give us $5 a month over at our Patreon page. We really appreciate it. It really helps keep the show going. You can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you want to help the show a little bit more. And don't forget to join up into our Discord. Oh, yeah. 
post the memes from the meme review there every week. That's right. So if you want to actually see what we're describing to you <laughs> via audio track, uh, you can head over to the Discord and check out the memes. I have been thinking about how much like practice we've been putting into like doing image descriptions. I hope that in the long run we can uh, maybe get an actual uh, get get a job in image descriptions or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait for my uh, my meaningless desk job to just be like, uh, corporate needs you to describe these five pictures by lunch. <laughs> oh, okay. and then, all right. And then all you do is you just say, well, I, I'm a meme person, so I have to say these are all the same picture. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, the first thing that we wanted to talk about today is the biggest thing that's happening in labor right now, and it's our follow-up on the strikes in India. Technically our second follow-up. Yeah, re- I mean, I think we've been... We're going to be following up on this for a while because uh, the long and short of the article that I have here from AP News is basically that nothing is stopping. It's slowing down a little bit as a lot of people have to return back to work, but uh, organized labor is continuing forward and you know, industry-specific uh, labor actions look like they're being planned. Right. So I think that this is a, a, I mean, I know we just did the intro where we plugged the Patreon, but seriously, become a patron. We did like a deep dive on the general strike and what led up to it. Um, so this follow up definitely refers to the, the previous Patreon episode, uh, episode 25. Um, so check that out. Uh, but that that's mostly important because though the general strike was only 24 hours, the basis of it was a farmer farmer protest national yep. farmer protest strike um combo extended situation uh and and by extended situation is and it is still going now um and doesn't really uh show much sign of stopping because the demands are not being met there no. it's the modi government looks like they are not really backing down yeah, and it looks like these farm leaders and other various types of labor organizers in India are very, very well organized and know exactly what to do uh, to to get a reaction and, and to stay relevant and stay in the press and everything. Because uh, from this AP News article, just a few of the things that they were doing is like scores of farm leaders conducted a token hunger strike on Monday at the protest sites. Heavy contingents of police and riot gear patrolled the areas where farmers were camping. Uh, protest leaders have rejected the government's offer to amend some contentious provisions of the new farm laws, which deregulate crop pricing and are demanding total repeal of the laws, which is awesome. Uh, Hundreds of farmers in the outskirts of New Delhi blocked all entry and exit routes and chanted anti-government slogans. Uh, About two dozen farm leaders held a day-long hunger strike at the New Delhi site while a huge communal kitchen served food for the other protesters. Uh, I mean, it it just goes on and on. That's actually, I love that last one, especially. Like, a communal kitchen, I mean, like, that's you know, meeting the needs of the people right there, along with the the labor struggle, uh, that's yep. that is like this is peak praxis. Yeah, freaking rules. I mean, there's a long tradition. Um, I think there's a couple different religious de- denominations in India that have operated like communal free kitchens where anybody who shows up gets a meal. Uh, but it's it's very cool to see that energy rechanneled through a labor movement too. And I think that's something that. Uh, you know, the rest of the world could could learn from, especially here in the United States, where, 
you're lucky if uh, you're lucky if someone brings an extra sandwich. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think we need more uh, in the United States. We need more like unionized pizza shops so that we can order yeah. pizza for all of our people. Because like that's the one thing about like strikes in the United States. If we ever do food, I mean, maybe we'll grill some hot dogs, but um, for the most part we just like order pizzas and we could really use some, some union pizza shops. Um, so, uh, all you pizza workers out there unionize your pizza shops so that we can get union pizzas (laughs) for our strikes. That's right. So, I mean, uh, yeah, just, just feed, feed people, uh, you know, show up. I don't know if hunger strikes will be all that effective in the United States, but I'm glad to see that they're doing something, uh, in India and being effective there. The farmers also filed a petition with the Supreme Court of India on Friday, uh, seeking the quashing of the laws, which were passed in September. And they've also threatened several times to intensify their actions and have threatened to block trains in the coming days if the government doesn't abolish the laws. So that fucking rules. That's exactly what you should do. Blocking trains is amazing. Threaten to escalate. Maybe that's why the United States, uh, maybe that's why they fought so hard for us to not have trains. Right. Cause it's like, oh, it's yeah. much harder to block individual traffic, but trains, I mean, if a lot of your industry runs on the backs of those, that's everything in one place in an yeah. easy to, easy to that predict. That makes sense. Path. Actually that tracks. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really love the, um, kind of like putting the ball in their court saying we will have to escalate if you right. don't like meet our demands. Like if you're like, they're not even attempting to meet these demands, uh, then we need to escalate, and I mean, it starts with train stop train stoppages, and <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah, and uh, I mean, who knows where it ends? But hopefully, it's with the um, the taking down of the Modi government. Honestly, yeah, I mean, I just love this energy. I love the absolute refusal to accept modifications to the laws, and like the very mili- like resolute militant stance that they absolutely must be repealed. That's something that like. I don't know, just in American politics, I don't think you see that that much. Like somebody really have, or like a large group of people even having convictions like that, that they, that they stand for and that they don't compromise on. That's amazing. And, um, you know, r- regardless of what the specific outcome of these strikes or individual labor actions are, I think that this is really signaling that the, the relations of capital are are changing, you know, quite quickly in, in, in our present day world. And, uh, maybe, maybe nowhere it's more apparent than in India right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I think that the only reason we don't see this is because, uh, these farm workers are like, what was it? 14 or 15% of the entire like national economy. Yeah. So they definitely have a lot of leverage. The issue with the United States is that we're a lot more fractured at any amount. Uh, like, sure, like maybe there's uh, that many um, like food workers in the United States, but organizing food workers is especially difficult because they're not always in the same category when it comes to like how easily you can bring like manual workers of far- of like farms uh, together. Cause- That's absolutely right. I mean, it's yeah. also just like a lot of the the agriculture in the United States is already hyper-industrialized and hyper-technologized. So, like, it, there's definitely still a hired labor element involved, but a lot of these huge farms are run by, like, a person or, like, a family who have a, a relatively small crew and a lot of industrial equipment. Whereas, you know, in India, I think it's... Which it's, they often rent and are actually... Yes. <laughs> like in in bad situations for totally different reasons but yeah right 
Exactly. But then I think in India, a lot more of the uh, agriculture isn't quite as like what you would call uh, developed yet. And so the direct influence of, you know, agricultural agribusiness policy, I guess you would call it, um, can be felt a lot more directly by the populace. And I think India is setting a really fantastic example right now. And, you know, I've just been really impressed by the union movement there, the socialism, the movement for socialism there, and uh, the anarcho-syndicalists that are kind of bridging that gap, I think, in the ideological space. That's what I like so much about this is that it really, um, it it does kind of show some of the power of, of syndicalism because I think that, uh, especially as of late, uh, it is one of the kind of more, it, it's one of the leftist ideologies that has kind of been critiqued very um, kind of heavily Mm -hmm. um in recent years because of how much it kind of relates to capital um but but when it comes to the way of organizing in these uh in these like um kind of times of neoliberalism i think that there is still a lot there um when it comes to ways of organizing especially in like a developing farmer economy. Yeah, exactly. Instead of industrialized, I should say. Speaking of uh, how things relate to the United States, we're going to hop back to the U.S. for a second here. It looks like um, a, a group of teachers from Cleveland Heights, Ohio, had to call a strike on December 2nd. So I'm a couple of weeks late to this story. Uh, and it was yeah. their first strike since 1983. And there's a really fantastic article that we have here on hand from labornotes.org, which was actually written by Anthony Bifulco, who was the lead strike captain for the Cleveland Heights High School. Uh, so I really suggest that anytime you can find something on Labor Notes, they usually do a really good job. And a lot of times it's written by the actual organizers of the event on which they're reporting. So yeah. you tend to get really good information. The articles are also in depth and go over a lot of the important details. Um, I did ask because I've got um, a couple of friends in that area. And this is like kind of a, uh, a wealthier suburb um, right. of Cleveland. So that's something to take into consideration. Um, when we go over some of this information. So what happened was uh, the Ohio legislature in 2013 passed a piece of legislation called Ed Choice. It's very similar to a lot of pieces of legislation uh, passed by other states. Uh, Some of the provisions in the Ed Choice legislation created gaps in, you know, the the benefit structures for teachers and and faculty and, and, you know, people who work for the school. And so a lot of the people who worked for the school thought that they were going to be able to like negotiate some kind of good contract out of this still. But apparently, especially on the issue of healthcare, like it always is, the it's school so district that. wanted to just completely slash every benefit that these teachers were receiving. Uh, according to Anthony Bifulco, he says... On our healthcare, though, it se- they seem to be out for blood. Apparently, the board was listening to a small vocal minority of anti-tax activists who were misleading the public into believing that our health plans were the reason the district was heading into fiscal crisis, which is just so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, we need we we need to make these people's health conditions worse so that we can what lower taxes. Right. Yeah. Make make a couple of like random libertarians or like local business interests in the community happy. And it's always that. It's always that because, yeah. like, once you're a big enough presence in an area, pretty pretty soon you have to like delegate a bunch of time and resources to making sure you don't pay taxes to help the community or help other people's kids, which would be such a fucking crime. Um, 
but yeah, they apparently their union formed a strike committee all the way back in June and began organizing for a strike. Uh, they didn't really think that they were going to have to do it. I mean, the whole story of this, to 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 make a long story short, a lot of this was just that like at every step along the way, teachers thought they were going to get treated somewhat fairly and that there would be yeah. room for them to present their case and right. get negotiations rolling. And at every stage, they were completely shut out. And from June to December 2nd, they deliberated about whether or not it was going to be necessary to call a strike. And then they yeah. finally did. I, um, I just want to, I want to, I want to nitpick something um, that you mentioned like this. Yeah. And this is just maybe a, an a observation on, on the way that some people react. But I remember growing up in like a, a community that's probably similar to this. Um, sure. And uh, a lot of people being like worried about paying taxes for um, you know, they didn't have any children, but they still have to pay taxes for the schools and right. like how that was like a talking point when it came to the politics <laughs> around like local funding and, and all of that. And I, I found that to be so dumb because of all of the other things that like tax money pays for that like maybe isn't as useful as educating the people in your community and the idea that that is an uh, a point of austerity the thing that you would look at to kind of like do a budget cut to do some form of austerity is so like it doesn't make any sense to me it really right. doesn't like why no, is it, I mean, why is it there <laughs> i mean think about this like if you got a a piece of paper from the irs and they were like look we only need you to pay for taxes that for systems that you use and then the other ones, you can opt in or you can opt out. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't have any kids. So the education, and you know, and I'll see like, oh, they might take $100 out of my taxes, you know, for in, in a year, like $500 or whatever to support the education system. That wouldn't bother me if I saw the number next to it that was going to quote unquote defense, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah, like the police. Like, what's the police budget like? Oh my God! Yeah, the police. I mean, the police budget is usually anywhere from like seventy to ninety percent of any given municipal budget. It's outrageous. Exactly. But we need to cut these teachers' health care. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, why? Where? Where's the connect there? That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, teachers are just easier to shit on. Everybody loves to talk up. Oh, we love our teachers. Oh, we, you know. We would do anything for our teachers, but you wouldn't. You won't even pay them more. You won't even give them, you know, bargaining power. Sometimes you want to put no strike clauses in their contracts. Like, you can't do that, you know? And then you turn around and you give all that money to the police so they can what? So they can buy, like, a like a, a five-year-old piece of tactical gear that a, that a SWAT team didn't need anymore or that the U.S. government felt like selling off so they could buy some more shit from Lockheed Martin and Raytheon? That's with correct. the space they freed up, like it's yeah, fucking that, ridiculous. That is actually correct. That is what they want to do. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, all all love and support to these people who's who's striking in Cleveland Heights. Right. Uh, apparently, there there was so much uh, pushback that they got months and months and months of pushback before they finally deliberated and decided that they needed to strike. Yeah. And then apparently what they ultimately got, thanks to the strike, did, the negotiations happened. Did we do happened. the figure about the how much they wanted to increase the costs? No, I didn't yet. Actually, what no, was we that? Should, we, we, should, uh, we, should, we should definitely bring that up because they basically wanted to increase health costs by between three and $5,000. Goddamn. Um, since it was a part of benefits, it didn't necessarily count as cut wages. It was just like 
uh, if you kind of even it out, it ends up in a cut pay of of three to five thousand dollars because of how much Damn. additional money was going to go into cost sharing. That's what the board of education had put forward, like up to five thousand dollar cut. That's crazy. Just just straight out of healthcare. Well, and they always act like it's okay to do it if it's not out of your regular paycheck, right? Like as if the money in my healthcare you know, benefits doesn't help me just as much <laughs> as the money that I buy groceries with or the and money that I pay my rent even with. more. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and then, you know, that's the thing is these employers are like, well, it's not our fault. The insurance companies are terrible. It's like, yes, it fucking is. You know, maybe if you would just in- throw your institutional weight behind Medicare for all, which would help. So I, that's the other thing I don't understand about Medicare thing. for all is it's like that would help employees and also employers. Right. It's, it, it is literally only insurance companies keeping us from having that. Yeah. My mom has a, a small business and that was the one point that I, I I talked to her a couple of years ago about Medicare for all. And I was like, you need to support this, especially as a small business person, because don't you want all of your employees to have health care that you basically don't have to pay for? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and she's like, Oh yeah, actually I totally do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, um yeah, they they were threatened with a 3 to 5,000 dollar cut in pay, but they struck and they won and what was ultimately agreed upon was a 1% pay raise in the second year of the contract, which runs through the 21-22 school year, along with a graduated increase in employees' healthcare premiums beginning in March to either 9%, 10% or 11% of their monthly premium. So, it's a bunch I see- of in this in this thing where they where they figured out what they were going to do there's so many numbers in this in these notes oh yeah it's a needlessly complicated program when they literally could have given them something simple given them something workable and been like how about your like your healthcare single, stays the free same at the point of service healthcare yeah or for even all. just like the same fucking standard of healthcare that they had before you know, instead of this, it's like, oh, you want a minute improvement? Okay, you're going to get either 9%, 10%, or 11% increase, not this year, but a year from now. Uh, and depending on how much you make, the increase will be a different amount. So your family plan will go from 1850 a year at 6%, 154 a month to between 220 and 269 a month. Like anybody who's not a fucking accountant, okay, or a mathematician, their eyes are glazing over. It's as purposefully you these numbers obtuse. Off it's yes. like how it's like taxes in the United States and how uh, yes. the, the TurboTax people have lobbied to make the tax code so complicated that that you rely on them to to navigate it because they're the ones who basically fucking wrote it. And yes. and like it, it's just it's an, it's actually designed to make you gloss over because as soon as you have to get into those nitty gritty details, like you are no longer having like a good faith discussion about work conditions and living conditions. You're focused on on like whether or not you're getting nine, ten, or eleven percent. Right. Exactly. Well, and then like in the case of these Cleveland Heights teachers, uh, they're basically in order to keep their healthcare benefits or in order to not have them go by up, up by as much, they're foregoing a base pay raise in the first year of the contract. So there's always something like the, the house always wins, you know, unless like your union literally gets powerful enough that you can burn down the house. Um, yeah. Or take over the house or whatever, whatever extended yeah. metaphor makes the most sense. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, like, I guess they, their strike worked. 
so that that's a good thing for the most part they didn't have to do, they didn't get attacked as badly as they would have if they hadn't struck no and uh it looks like it was able to be handled without too much of interfering in the students' education. Everything is happening online at this school district right now. So all they had to do for the additional day of negotiations that led to this agreement was call a quote-unquote virtual snow day, which is so funny that they're, they're like, uh, we're having contract negotiations and we need to call a day off of school, but it's winter, <laughs> so it's a snow day. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. You know what? Even That's- though... Nobody had to be bused to school or driven to school or anything like that. Oh, no, that's that's going to ruin snow days forever. People are just going to have the infrastructure set up to learn from home. And they're just going to be like, all right, it's a work from home day. Yeah, right. Like, like, yeah, sure. I'm glad I don't have to go in. Like, I'm glad that I can work from home. But why can't I have a real snow day, please? I mean, imagine like, okay, if I was still in school right now, I would like I would like tell all the other kids I'd be like, you can pay me to come over and fuck up your internet connection for six hours so that you can have a day off of school, but you won't be able to get online except on your phone. Maybe Nah, I don't know. I mean, with cell service and everything, I, mean, like, I think, I think they can get their oh, kids. Cause you need to convince the parents too. I was like, well, no, cause like you can just lie and say that your internet wasn't working. Yeah. Not everybody has a cool mom like me who, if I just <laughs> once a year, if I didn't feel like going to school, she would just tell the school I was sick and I would just play video games. Nice. Yeah. That's good. That's, that's good parenting. That, I would forget that, sh- that I had it because I was determined not to cash in on it in the first half of the school year. You save it up for when things are getting difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> then I would forget I had it. So I didn't even use it a bunch of years. But uh, oh, gosh, the self austerity. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I doing an austerity politics on myself? Just dive headfirst into the, into the political enjoyment, John. But what you need to do is you need to keep pushing the boundary on, on like what, what you can get away with, right? I mean, that's what kids <laughs> mostly do. And at some point you like start to give up. That's the see. That's what. That's why we're losing. We're not enough. We're not doing the the childhood um, ambition of always like getting more over on your parents. I mean, that's really what we need. Like, we need to stop being the conditioned, well-behaved child in the supermarket and start just like every time we get a little something, be like, okay, how much more? Exactly. How much more can I get next time? Because like I've said it before, like that's the attitude capital has towards you the worker right like so why shouldn't you have that attitude back towards capital no matter how nice you are to capital your your boss your ceo uh your landlord you know whatever whatever manifestation of capital has power in your life they're not going to suddenly turn around and be nice to you (laughs) you know maybe like isolated anecdotes here and there like oh my landlady is actually my aunt she brings me cookies like okay i don't fucking care but uh (laughs) You know, in in pretty much every other situation besides that one, like you should have animosity towards your landlord and your boss, and like you should feel up like economically opposed to them, and you should always be trying to figure out something to do about it because they know that they're economically opposed to you, and it's their job to figure out something to do about that. So that's correct. I'll, so I'll, yeah. Absolutely. Be on your toes. Speaking of toes, we're going to be moving to a, <laughs> a bootlicker article. Hell yeah. <laughs> you like that segue? Uh, yeah, I love that segue. So I don't, I don't know much about wrestling. Perhaps our fans can pop in the Discord. Tag me if you want to tag me in the Discord if you want to educate me about wrestling because I haven't watched it since I was 11. But CM Punk came out recently. I don't uh, know this name. Is I've this heard th- it a bunch of times before. I. 
I've understand. I don't know anything about him like firsthand, but based on secondhand information, I have gathered that CM Punk is a very respected and well liked figure in wrestling broadly. Is he a wrestler? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's he's like a he's like a kayfabe wrestler. He does the whole. I don't know if he's WWE, but it's like WWE style shtick, okay. right? And uh, I think it is WWE because he talks about um, Vince McMahon being a being his boss. But he said um, CM Punk recently brought up the idea of pro wrestlers unionizing on a podcast with Renee Paquette. He transitioned into the subject by discussing how different Vince McMahon and Dana White are as bosses. He said, I think there's levels to it. Obviously, you can draw like they're both like right wing. A word I'll use is weirdo because obviously they vote based on what's good for their pocketbook. If I really had to compare and contrast, I would say Dana is more generous. I think Dana does a lot of the stuff for the fighters behind the scenes. I think there's a lot of money thrown around that people don't know about, and he gets a lot of flack for. That being said, I do also think fighters need to get paid a whole hell of a lot more, you know? But a lot of the time when he lashes out about when people are complaining about pay and unionization, like it's because he knows, hey, I just gave that guy 250 grand, like under the table, uh, you know, we can't talk about it, but he's still paying people more and the fighters need to get together and unionize anyway, just like the wrestlers. Uh, right. And then, so this is, this is describing like, like people being bought off and, and preferential treatment in order mm-hmm. to kind of, um, subvert like labor organizing. Right. And it's basically what's being described here. Yeah, exactly. If you're a WWE wrestler, like a lot of money is in that industry. You probably make a lot of money. You probably don't make what you're owed industry-wise, but you still make a lot of money. So these like, you know, 250 grand under the table payments are kind of equivalent, I think, to like a a struggling shop's pizza party for their employees, which is like, hey, please don't unionize. Please just keep letting me skim all this fucking money off the top. And you know, to, or maybe that's to, like the that's like the popular guy, like one of the one of the, like the top ten people just got like a quarter million bonus, right. Secretly, and so then they are like in the union meeting, being like, you know, guys, I think that Vince McMahon's an okay guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's all they have to do, right? Is like butter up one of their best performers who's well liked among the other wrestlers, and then that person's you know, influence might go a long way. But then there's also this second quote from CM Punk that seems to run a little bit counter to that, which says, um, relevant to everyone making their own money and the fact that they're all kind of independent contractors more than coworkers in a way. And that that hinders the unionization effort. He says that, uh, it's because there's no such thing as the boys. It's a trope. Oh, we're on the road and these people are our family and all that. Like I once said, once you're out of the bubble, you don't hear from anybody anymore. Those people don't pay your bills. There's always going to be a handful of people that will undercut everybody else just to get ahead a little bit. And there seems to be a lot of people that not only just by nature are bootlickers. They just love the taste. So they just, you're supposed to lick the boot. You're not supposed (laughs) to eat the entire thing. So I love I love it. No, I mean like you're you can lick the boot, but like why are you eating it? <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to town. It's funny. It's a boot, not a ribeye. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, like, I I like this energy. I don't want to spend too much of my brain thinking about whether or not incredibly already like well paid people need to unionize or not. Um, it's still worth thinking about, but just like you know, while there's like frontline, and by frontline workers, I do mean McDonald's. Employees. Well, I mean, we we've seen uh, like unionized 
sports people uh, who make a lot of money uh, this year failed to make meaningful change. Yes, so. with the NBA. Thanks to thanks Obama. Exactly. <laughs> it was literally Obama's fault. But um, yeah, I mean that's the thing. They don't want to set a precedent, right? The NBA, the WWE, none of these major sports groups want to set a precedent because pretty soon if you let your employees or your contractors or whatever have a union, they're going to start talking up how great the fucking union is and sports stars or, or like, I don't know what you would call a WWE wrestler halfway between an athlete and like an entertainer, but, um, they are very, very well liked. They have huge platforms. A lot of them have millions of followers on Twitter. Uh, so you know, it would be really dangerous to to let them start spouting off about how much their union helped them from the eyes of a capitalist. Well, yeah, I mean, and we'll see. We already see it uh, often. I think we even covered this one. But uh, the person who was like, oh, we should have a union. And then 10 minutes later, she was fired. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they're pretty serious about. And this is that also is like why you know, keep keep that one, uh, you know. Uh, I guess a little bit more covert. Like if you're, if you're organizing, maybe that's a good example. Right. Uh, Don't tweet about unionizing, like do it. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, just because you're, you're going to get attacked by the company if they find out. Exactly. Well, and everybody has the company's back. So you have to fight really, really hard, especially if you're in the spotlight. Like even when this ringside news.com that I'm getting this from at the bottom, they just said, (laughs) <laughs> to close out the article, Vince McMahon can do whatever he wants with his company, and pro wrestlers unionizing hasn't happened yet. McMahon released Zelina Vega, and Miro claimed that he was let go after mentioning a union as well. There is a lot of doubt that it will ever take place. It's just like trying to really talk oh, yeah. about how like it's impossible, it can't happen. These are celebrities; they're already too rich. Like, but I don't know. I I think that something like this would be really cool. But yeah. also, like I said, I don't want to think about it too much. Because right? You want to are- you 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 like the uh, the the uh, you said you mentioned McDonald's, and I think that uh, it reminds me of the the foodsters, which is like oh, what yeah. relates to we, we cover that in like episode twenty one with the people who were gig workers and maybe creating a a local co op for gig work. Yeah, so last uh, last month we covered the Foodsters Union that uh, I think they're actually – they got affiliated with a larger package carrier union in uh, Western Canada, I believe. And they were pretty interesting because shortly after they got their union affiliation, their parent company kind of collapsed. Uh, and they just – they didn't really know what they were going to keep doing with it, but they said we're going to keep the union together for now and try and organize something going forward. And I thought of that as soon as I saw this article from In These Times about New York City rideshare drivers who have put together their own cooperative company, the Drivers Cooperative, which aims to realize a long-held dream of socially conscious New Yorkers in a hurry, a ride-sharing app that you can feel good about, but but more than feeling good about, a ride-sharing app that you can know that when you use it, you're not essentially like helping somebody destroy their car for diminishing returns on an already tiny paycheck. And that's fucking awesome. And it's like I said on BP Pledis, but I want to reiterate here, like I've often thought that the Silicon Valley kind of brain genius uh, tech company things are really just like one idea and then you hire a team of engineers to make the rest of it happen. So right. if there's an Uber and there's a Lyft, 
obviously nobody copyrighted the idea of like, because it's a taxi, right? Like you can't copyright a taxi. Uh, so why don't we just set up our own? And I don't know how the Drivers Cooperative got their funding going. I don't know if it's crowdsourced or whatever. Um, but apparently they're in a position where they have the resources and they have the manpower that they can actually launch uh, something that will that will finally challenge the supremacy of Uber and Lyft. So, yeah, I I would I would love that. I would love to like slowly take over these super toxic businesses that are dumping millions into disenfranchising workers in order to actually like have a collective that speaks on behalf of the workers that is the workers that like isn't exactly. just some board that is trying to exploit people for profit or try to make sure that the shares go up before they sell off or or exactly. whatever. Well, and this is also a really good third option, I think, in the dilemma between letting a private company handle something and letting the state handle something. Because I'll see a lot of leftists who will be like, um, you know, this is, I'm not trying to talk shit on anybody. This is just something I see happen. I see a nationalize lot of... Nationalize Uber. Yeah, nationalize Uber, exactly. Or nationalize this or that or the other thing. And then other leftists, um, I think just as reasonably, come back with like, oh, you trust the U.S. government to handle that? Are you a moron? Uh, I think those are both really valid points. So really, I, I just think in the dichotomy between like not trusting companies and not trusting the U.S. government, both of which are very reasonable positions, uh, this is a really cool third option that we, you know, a lot of people have mentioned before, but we yeah. haven't seen play out like this yet. And it's just very reassuring to me to see that like someone on the ground is trying to make things like this happen. Yeah, absolutely. I I hope that we see um, other. It's like. We're we're seeing this kind of from uh, gig worker, um, like either people movers or item movers, right? But I I, I mean, is, are there other like gig work things that are happening? I guess there's probably like um, gig work for programming and other sorts of. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's job boards for all kinds of stuff. I when I was out of work for a little while last year, I signed up for a service called Wanolo, and they still text me every once in a while. Like, there is a shift available chopping vegetables from eight a.m. to six p.m. at the Pittsburgh International Airport this Saturday, and I'm like, wow, this is a fucking weird service. But I, you know, yeah, it's I, like ta- it's a task rabbit type thing. Uh, task rabbit, right? exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's what we need. I mean, like if we're really gonna go around to try to meet smaller needs of people, I think that we could do a, like a task rabbit co-op or something. That would be good. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, like, uh, expert village, <laughs> it's like, do you need to get on a video call and talk with somebody who can really educate you about dialectical theory <laughs> or, or, or fix your refrigerator? <laughs> I mean, definitely fix your refrigerator. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think this is really cool. And there'd be a lot of cool, cool, futuristic, innovative ways for us to be cool, technologically adept leftists who aren't entirely stuck in 100 and 150 year old political proposals but on the same note of moving forward into the future <laughs> meme time is that what you have it says meme time on here it's not the meme review it says meme time yeah it just says meme time this is the special <laughs> lena's birthday party edition meme time we're not rating these we're just going to blow party favors at the end <laughs> of each yeah. one so the first one is just a a, a twitter but yeah, oh, I, it, you it, need to you need to explain to me what these. So this is. I, I understand. Quote tweeting is when you take a photo and then comment with it in the right. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not on <laughs> yeah. Twitter very much. I mean, like you should still follow me on Twitter. Definitely. Because I, I I do get notifications when people follow me, but I am not on Twitter. I mean, this is a. So this is a tweet from 
This is a tweet from Wint, but AI. Wint is also the name of Drill um, on Twitter, one of the most famous posters ever. Uh, famous for such incredible tweets as uh, this whole thing smacks of gender. I scream before flipping my uncle's barbecue over, turning the 4th of July into the 4th of shit. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay, you know, I have heard some of these. And many other incredible, incredible banger tweets. But this is a this is a bot that scans his tweets and recreates new, and generates new tweets. And this one, uh, I, both memes that I have in here are from CC in the Work Stoppage Discord. So thank you so much for posting these. Um, nice. The incredibly good tweet from this bot is: Capitalism's number one enemy is you. It's not the so-called communist or socialist ideologies. It's you, each and every one of you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I, I mean, kind of true. I mean, like they are there fighting you. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 direct warfare in the most the, indirect way. I guess. Yeah, the communist and socialist ideologies are actually just a response to the exploitation in a certain sense. Yeah, I mean it's so funny that everybody like talks up capitalism as this great economic program, even though like the word capitalism comes from describing it as a system of exploitation. But I mean, you know, (laughs) it's all good. Uh, On the note of, of subjugation under capitalism, the next one is the difference between trickle down economics and And pinata economics. I love Uh, this. (laughs) Trickle down just says, ask nothing of the wealthy or their corporations, and they will eventually create a society in which all prosper. And then it shows that is the, uh, the, the siphoned off top glass of, of going into, what does the jar say? Panama account. Oh, Panama account. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, So it doesn't actually trickle down. It just goes to another location. I mean, if anything trickled down, it would have been here by the late 90s, I think, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I think we gave him plenty of time. And then the alternative is pinata economics, which just has some kids hitting a pinata. And it says, instead of fruitlessly waiting for wealth to trickle down, beat the rich with blunt instruments until the gold flows. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, actually, you said we weren't going to rate these, but I am going to rate this one. This one is 10 out of 10 unionized workers. All right. I'll give this one a 10 out of 10 unionized workers as well. Yeah. The first one is a little bit too uh, esoteric for me to give a proper rating to. I just like it. (laughs) So um, I pulled from a couple other places to to fill in this meme review. And uh, the next one, I I guess, is it's just a comic, a single panel comic with a very ghoulish zombie looking Nancy Pelosi in the back seat. And then if you've ever seen the movie um Parasite, it's the scene of the the dad driving the car listening to the <laughs> rich guy in the back seat, like he's the one driving the car while Nancy right. Pelosi is in the back seat and she just says that's a total game changer, a new president and a vaccine and just like the st- the the stoic face uh the, the kind of almost angry stoic face of of the driver man is just like oh you it's remember so what happens in parasite <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i i love to see this kind of stuff i really like eli valley's work i i love the like weird grotesqueness of his of his drawing style and the really heavy use of lines but i also love it when people take aim at the democrats from further left because uh, I I really think that that's, that energy is slowing down in the wake of the Biden uh, election. And I really think that we need to yeah. put our foot on the fucking gas pedal, making sure that everybody knows Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi are just as big of They're pieces terrible. of shit as any given Republican. Yeah, absolutely. Then 
Uh, this <laughs> oh, yeah, next this one, one I just I just love <laughs> this one so much. Not only because so this is a Sonic meme. Always good to have a Sonic meme. Love Sonic memes. <laughs> but it's also uh, it's not quite cool text meme because it's not a bunch of like pieces put together. But it is still got the the classic Microsoft Word Word art kind of right. fond on it but it's uh turf is a quote-unquote slur to quote-unquote silence you question mark damn i wish it worked shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> this is this is exactly what i talk about when i talk about free speech not being real because yeah. honestly fuck turfs i don't need to this is not an argument we don't have this conversation this isn't something we're going to talk about well, and this is also like what gets people on your side, like not, not these weird, like Tumblr post screenshots of like 19 re rethreaded, uh, you know, conversations about like how we should adjust our language this way or how we should do such and such thing. Like, no, go for the fucking throat the same way that the right wing would, if they were going to throw some bullshit at you, like if they, yeah. if they want to start playing like turf is a slur, just say it more, just fucking yeah. like rub their fucking faces in it. It Good. rules. This is perfect. This is a perfect meme. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Yeah. I know. I, I I just, when I saw this, I was like, damn, I wish it worked. Shut the fuck up. It just resonated with me so much. Yeah, very yeah. good. 10 out of so 10. So I'll make, make, uh, make sure to join the Discord so you can copy this and put it on all of your social media feeds so That's that right. your family knows that if they... Uh, don't support trans people that they can shut the fuck up (laughs) and uh and this last one i actually did brought one in that wasn't political i don't think i don't think this is political i hope not (laughs) because if it's political then i my political education needs uh touching up (laughs) this is just a photo of a beach there are some people in the background at the beach this is probably an old photo but then there are horses just laying on the beach <laughs> on their sides, sometimes just laying like kind of with their feet under them. Very normal looking horses on a beach kind of laying. And the and it's just a top text meme. It just says, share if you agree. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't agree? I give I, I give every meme agree. we looked at today 10 out of 10. These are all right. great. This is, this is this a is golden a very run. Good, a, yeah, I mean, that's what we get for my birthday. I, we hand it out to everyone. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Um, Just all Oprah Winfrey. You're a 10 out of 10 meme. And you're a 10 out of 10 <laughs> meme. Well, um, like I mentioned, join the Discord. I mean, make sure to put it. We'll put a link in the... Uh, I've been trying to put a link in the description. So right. uh, you can get in here and hang out with us. Uh, go on Patreon, patreon.com slash workstoppage. Give us $5 a month to get twice as many episodes in the month. And also just to like go and check out that awesome uh, in-depth discussion about the... Um, the general strike in India. I, I'm so proud of that episode, honestly. Hell yeah. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on all the different platforms. Uh, you can follow John on Twitter at Facebook Villain Me at Solidarity Bee. Check out Beep Beep Lettuce. Um, I think that if we didn't make it to... Uh, we did a slightly shorter episode. We'll play an extra long song, like maybe a Jaga Jazz's song or something. That's right. We're going to give you a nine-minute magnum opus now so yeah buckle up fuckos all right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right solidarity bye. forever <laughs>